Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Stand with me all over the building. I want you to grab your Bibles and hold them up. How many know you're supposed to bring your Bible to church? Amen. Lift up your Bible. Let's say this out loud together. Read it with me. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It never changes. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I boldly declare that I will live how it says I should live. I will say what it says I should say, and I will be what it says I should be, and I will have what it says I should have. This is the day the Lord has made. Today, I receive the miracle power of God through healing, finances, deliverance, family, forgiveness. I will stand and pray for a biblical nation. I will stand and pray for the nation of Israel. I will stand and pray for all nations. Declare that we are one nation under God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you agree, give the Lord a great big clap offering. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I want to ask you this morning to open your Bibles up to the book of Matthew chapter 18. And I want to continue on a series that we've I've labeled Make America Godly Again. And I want to talk about the warfare coming against our children. Now, right now, we are in the month of Elul. Where's James? Where's, where's Dr. James at? James, blow the shofar. Amen. You know, the Bible says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the what? Sound the alarm. Now, you know, in the morning and the evening, I go out in the back and I go out in front of my house and I blow the trumpet. Uh, it, last few years, somebody would answer. They would somewhere in the neighborhood. They would answer. Uh, that person either uh, moved or was raptured and left us behind or something. But all my neighbors can hear me, and several of them said, "What are you doing? What is that?" And so I was able to tell them I am sounding the alarm. And if there's ever been a time, and that's what the month of Elul is about, because we get in the Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, God opens the book of life, of book of blessings, and he looks at what we've done to make the world better. And he determines our blessing for the coming year. Right now, we need to sound the alarm and be aware that our families and our children are under an aggressive attack. Why are our children being attacked? We, we, the things that they're trying to teach our children from kindergarten on up, this is transgender nonsense that's going on. Why are, why are our children under such attack? And it's easy because our youth are the promise of the future. 
You know, we know the story of Moses and Pharaoh and the 10 plagues. And a lot of times people think that Pharaoh said, no, you can't go until the very last plague. But if you look at the time that Moses came to Pharaoh and said, there's going to be a plague of locusts that will come upon all of Egypt and it will destroy all the crops. Pharaoh says to Moses, go and worship your God, but leave your children here. Now, why is that such a demonic strategy? Because as we've all heard, we are one generation away from being a godless society. Let me say that again. We are one generation away from being a godless society. In ancient Jewish wisdom, it says if we have no children in the synagogue, we'll, in one generation, we'll have no adults in the synagogue. If we have no children in the church, we're one generation from not having any adults in the church. When Pharaoh made a decree, he saw God was doing something. He made a decree, and it says, Every son who is born to you shall be cast into the Nile. But every daughter shall be allowed to live. Now, without getting into all the details, ancient Jewish wisdom says, why does God put it that way? And, and I know most of you know this, but in, in Hebrew, every line has a secret, a mystery in it. And so why does God say, all your males will be drowned, but your daughters are not to be thrown in the Nile and they'll live? Why does he say they'll live? Because obviously, if they're not drowning, they're living. Ancient Jewish reads it this way. It says, I will drown your males in the Nile, but I will drown your females in our false religion and in our culture. And what's happening right now is every attack the devil does is physical and spiritual. Every answer God gives is physical and spiritual. And so what the devil is saying is, is I want to drown your children, not only physically and destroy them physically, but I want to drown them in our false religion and in our false culture. Boys will be eliminated and girls will be indoctrinated. We have a war going on for our children, but I read the end of the book. We win. Amen. So I want you to look this morning in Matthew chapter 18, and I want you to look at what God says about touching our children. Now, everybody look at me. What I'm about to give you is an amazing warning from God. And this warning is, you better not touch my children, because if you touch the children, you will not escape my wrath. Read Matthew 18, verse 1. And at the time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives 
one little child like this in my name, he receives me. But whoever causes, now look at this. This is from the mouth of Jesus. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, look at me one second. We're going to read the rest. He said, any one of you who causes these children the sin against the word of God, it would be better. And I looked up millstones and a millstone, we all know, and, and we tried to find one and I couldn't find one. And then I found out if we did find a real millstone, we wouldn't be able to get it in the building because it weighs 3,000, about 3,300 pounds. So here God says, now keep that up there. God says, this would be better for you. If you're going to cause one of my little ones to sin against the word of God, it's better that you take a 3,300-pound stone, tie it around your neck, and jump in the ocean. It's better you do that compared to the judgment I will bring on you if you cause a child to sin. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds serious. Because if you took, uh, you know, I was thinking about what can I bring? What can I bring to, to give an illustration? I was thinking about in my gym, you know, uh, a 45-pound steel weight. And I was thinking if you, and, and I was thinking about tying it around Luke's neck and having him jump in my pool. It doesn't matter who you are. You're not swimming with that 45-pound weight around your neck. So your destruction is guaranteed. And God said, if you cause these children to sin, even though you're guaranteed to be destroyed in that, that is not even close to what I will do in bringing judgment upon your life. I could stop right there and we could pray. But this is judgment whether you're a president, whether you're a vice president, whether you're a governor, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parent, whatever you are, this is from the word of God. And he said, it's better if you tie a millstone around your neck and jump. You don't have a chance to survive. But it's better than what I'm going to do if you cause one of my little ones to sin. Look at verse 7. Woe to the world... Now, I'm not sure what the word woe, I looked it up in Hebrew, and all I got was woe. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly what woe means, but it's not good. Woe unto you. You know, I know if my dad said woe unto you, I knew it's not good. So God says here, woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. But woe to the man by whom the offense comes. Woe to the one who causes children to sin. Woe to him. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame and maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. 
Now, obviously, God is using an illustration here. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. This is an an amazing warning from the Prince of Peace, from our Lord and Savior, who saw the woman caught in the act of adultery and said, where are your accusers? And she said, none here, Lord. He said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. And yet, our King of kings and our Lord of lords, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, brings a stern warning and says, woe unto you who cause these children to sin. You know, in James, God gives us a warning. He says, be not many teachers, knowing that we shall receive heavier judgment. Now, we know that that normally means a pastor or a rabbi. That's what the word teacher means, rabbi. But he's talking also to anyone who is bringing instruction to children. He said, be not many teachers because not only what we teach, but what we don't teach, we're going to be held accountable as pastors, as rabbis, as teachers, as parents. We're going to be held accountable before God because the judgment on what we teach to children is heavier than anything else we're looking at. Better to put a millstone around your neck. You know, the Bible, uh, ancient Jewish wisdom tells us that when God gave the Torah on Mount Sinai, here he places the word of God in front of the Jewish people. And he said, this word of God will lead you. It will lead you as a mom, a dad. It will lead you as a business person. It will lead you in every area of your life to the blessing of God. And that's where a lot of Christians are are mistaken when we say, well, we're not under the law. The word law in Greek means legalism, but the word law in Hebrew means a path, a guide something that will guide you. I give you this law, this path to guide you to the blessing. So God stands before Moses and he says, and the children of Israel, and he says, what guarantee if I give you this amazing path to walk on that you will be faithful and keep it? And they answered and said, our ancestors will be our guarantee. And God says, that's not good enough. They said, well, our prophets will be a guarantee. And God said, that's not good enough. And then the people of God said, our children will be the guarantee that we will pass this on. And God says, for the sake of your children, I will give you the living word of God. This is how important children are. You know, one of the big mistakes, now I'm going to say something that the youth will love and the parents may question it first, but hear me out through the whole thing. One of the big mistakes that the world makes is underestimating the destiny of our youth. You know, how do do they say it? Grandchildren are the reward for the turmoil we went through with our children. But I want you to look at youth in a way maybe that we've never seen it before. And if you're a youth... 
I want you to look at yourself in a way that maybe you've never seen before. uh, It's interesting when I was studying this. In 2017, the Oxford Dictionary every year comes up with a new word that is being used to describe the change in our society, in our culture. And in 2017, Oxford Dictionary came up with a new word called youthquake. And it literally become, became a word, youthquake. Where did this come from? One rabbi describes it this. The sociolinguistic phenomena is reflective of the psycho-spiritual fact, listen to this, that there is a fire inside young people that adults often negatively characterize as a rebellious spirit. This is an energy, a force, a refusal to settle for something less when the youth sees more can be accomplished. Instead of looking at it as a rebellion, we sanctify it and use it as a fire in young people that can literally change the world. This is why this is why they're going after our young people because they know that God has put an energy in there, a divine spark, a fire that if sanctified and guided by the word of God, it literally will change the world. You think about the draft. They don't draft 48-year-old people. They draft 18-year-old people. Because an 18-year-old has that fire. Take the hill. Nothing can stop me. That's put in there by God and sanctified. It can change the world. One of the greatest scholars in the history of the world, Rabbi Schneerson, you've heard me quote him many times. He says about this fire, the rebelliousness of young people is not a crime. On the contrary, it is the fire of the soul that refuses to conform that wants to change the world. One poet said, rebellion is a young man's game. You know, when I was in, in college, I remember, you know, it was the hippie days, it was the rebellious days, and I remember having posters on my wall, and one of the posters was the first nonviolent long-haired revolutionaries. I don't know if, I, I'd love to find that poster again. And it had Ben Franklin and George Washington and, 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 and Thomas Jefferson. And we were talking about this in back, and Troy said, you know, a lot of people don't understand, George Washington was 20 years old when he became president of the United States. There's a fire in those young people. So yeah, I had this poster that said, the first nonviolent long-haired revolutionaries, because we were long-haired revolutionaries. We're going to change the world. We just didn't know how to do it, but we had a fire. We want to change the world. So Ben Franklin, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and the very top was Jesus Christ. We forget that Jesus himself was a young man when he went to the river Jordan and says, baptize me, John. He was a young man when he met the devil in the wilderness and began the ministry. And we need to understand that revolution, and that's what we're looking for today. We're looking for revolutionaries. And for the most part, revolution is a young man's game. You know, you think about Jesus being 30 years old when he started his ministry, but think about the disciples that followed him. 
You know, most of the time when we see a movie of the disciples or the apostles or whatever, we picture old men with, with long white beards and long hair. But the reality of it is the disciples were not old men. The disciples were youth. They were young men. Now, nobody knows. There's nowhere that tells us exactly how old the disciples were, but everyone agrees they were somewhere between 13 years old and 30 years old, and probably not 30 years old. You think about Jesus. Jesus was the rabbi. He was the master, and when the Bible says they called him master, that meant that he had mastered the word of God. He was 30 years old, and so the custom was that the master was always much older than his disciples. And so I want to show you just a little bit of the way it worked in the times of Jesus, the life of, of a Jewish youth. When a, youth, a Jewish youth was five years old, five years old, they would begin to study scripture. Five years old. When they were 10 years old, they would begin to study the Mishnah or what's called the oral Torah or it would be understanding the parables. Why Jesus said, they, they came to Jesus and said, why do you speak in parables? He said, it's not for them to know the mysteries, it's for you to know the mysteries. And so they would begin to understand at 10 years old the mysteries of the kingdom of God. At 12 or 13 years old, 12 years old, a girl would have a, bat mitzvah at 12 years 13 years old a boy would have a bar mitzvah and this was a sign that they're going from being children into moving into adulthood and beginning at 12 and 13 years old of following all the commandments of the word of god 12 or 13 years old at 15 years old they would begin to study what's called in hebrew the talmud or the deeper biblical wisdom at 18 years old, they would begin to prepare their lives for marriage. At 20 years old, they were allowed to go into all the world and teach the gospel. They were allowed to go at 20 years old, 20 years old, from a student to a teacher. And so when we look at this and we see that Jesus said to the disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, we're not looking at men who are 60, 70, 80 years old. We're looking in many cases, those that are under 20 years old, 20 years old, and Jesus gave them the great commission to take the kingdom of God to the entire world. This is the fire that God puts in the young people. You know, the average Jewish male, when he turned 15 years old, made a, a career decision. If the average Jewish male at 15 years old was a, um, a, a, a star student, that Jewish male would be sent to Jerusalem and study under a rabbi. If he wasn't a star student, an average person, which most of them were, then he would begin an apprenticeship in his father's trade. This is why we see in Matthew 4 where Jesus comes to James and John, and James and John are working in their father Zebedee's boat, and he says to them, come and follow me. So these guys weren't married. 
There's only one disciple that we can see that was married, and we don't know if his wife, where his wife is, and that's Peter. If you remember in Capernaum, Peter lived, and Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, and uh, which Peter said, why did you do that? No, he didn't say that. <laughs> I had that, and I said, I'm not going to say it, but I couldn't help myself. Peter said, that's the biggest mistake Jesus ever made. No, no, no. And so, so we look at like James and John who were not married, who were being apprenticed by their father. They're, they're tending the nets when Jesus said, come and follow me. So they're probably somewhere between 15 and 18 years old. And Jesus is training them to be the heads of the kingdom of God throughout the entire world. You look at the disciples, none of them would have been I guess what we would call star students because they were working jobs. They were fishermen. They were whatever. You know, you look at Acts chapter 4, 13. It says, now when they, and they had rested Peter and, and John. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. These were not superstars you know we think of you know I, you know when i i guess maybe i'm different but when i first got saved i would read about james and john and peter and i think oh man these are just these great great scholars they were average young men just like many of us and they they weren't the the superstars they were working a job but they had a boldness and a fire that Jesus recognized. And he said, come on and follow me. Come on and be just like me. And they would leave what they were doing. And they would come with Jesus, probably not married, probably be, be below the age of 20. What do we expect of our young people? What do, we, what do we put in our young people? There is a fire in young people that Almighty God has put. Why is it there? Because they have that fire by God to say, you know what? When we stand on the word of God, when we stand on the name of Jesus, when we stand for the kingdom of God, I don't care what they're saying in school. I don't care what they're saying in Hollywood. This is what the word of God says. These young people are called by God to change the world. Many times Jesus called them children. Children. Now, a 30-year-old man would not call a 60-year-old man children. He would look at them and say, children, because they were youngsters. And even, but even as youngsters, they were called by God to follow Jesus to learn about Jesus. You know, next week I'm going to do part two in this, and there's a certain spiritual anointing on youth that is not on, young, uh, on adults. And so when Jesus said children, it wasn't an insult. It was saying something that even though you're young, you know, the Bible says, let no man despise you for your youth. Don't let him tell you, you're too young to do that. Who do you think you are? Why, you're just a, a, a young I'm going to age myself. Whippersnapper. <laughs> when was the last time you heard that? But he also called, and I, I love this. I love this. I love this nickname. He called James and John the sons of thunder. Now, I want you to think about that. James and John. Why did he call? What, what is the, you know, the, the, 
There, there were times when um, we first moved in the building, we had to do sound and everything, and the youth were in the other room, and we couldn't hear ourselves because they were so loud. And I can't help but think, when Jesus looked at James and John, he goes, he wasn't saying it in NATO. Those are the sons of thunder. They're loud and they're bold. You think about James and John when they were in the, in the village of Samaria. Remember that? And Jesus preaching. They weren't paying attention. And James and John said, Lord, call fire down from heaven. And I can't help but Jesus thinking, I can work with that. My kind of guys. We got to re, re, redirect it a little bit. You know, wasn't it James became the first martyr and John became the apostle of love? But he had something to work with. You know, I can remember a coach back years when I played college football and uh, my roommate had, had quit. It, were, it, was, it was summer practice and uh, all the fraternities and sororities are coming in. And I remember we're there and, you know, we were freshmen and freshmen were nothing but tackling bags and we were, we were beat up. And, and my roommate and I are looking and here goes all the fraternities and the sororities going down the party. And we're there beat up and coaches getting ready to put us in to get beat up some more. And the kicker kicks the football over the goal and behind the goalpost was the woods and a creek. And he goes, hey, one of you guys go get it. And my roommate says, I'll get it. And he ran down in the creek and never came back. <laughs> Next thing I saw him coming up the creek into the locker room. And he quit. And I remember the coach saying, I can teach you how to run with the ball. I can't teach you to one two. That one two is in there by God for our young people. This is that fire. This is that stirring that God puts in a young person. This is that sons of thunder that God says, all right, they're, they're, you're, you're a son of thunder. God, call down fire. And the Lord says, okay, at least I got something to work with here. God can teach us what to do. He can't teach us how. He can teach us how to do it. He can't teach us to want to do it. That's that fire that God puts in the young person. James and John said, Jesus, <laughs> I was looking at this and I go, I got to put this in. I don't even, I, I, Jesus saying, listen, they're going to kill me. They're going to torture me. They're going to beat me. They're going to nail me to a cross. And James and God go, can we sit on the right hand and the left? <laughs> That's young people. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, you're not. They're going to kill you. Can we sit on the right hand and the left? They had it in them. When Jesus called them, I believe in all my heart, when Jesus called them the sons of thunder, it was a nickname that he cherished. It was a nickname that he favored because they had that fire in them to get something done. He could train that. The word youth in Hebrew is the word na'ar. And the word na'ar is the root word from the Hebrew phase to shake the dust, to shake off the dust. I wonder how many of us as Christian adults need to shake off the dust. It's an, it means an energy, without getting into all the Hebrew, it means an energy of youth. It means a, a, a vitality, a fire. You know, when we first got saved, you know, we, I was just out of college, and the, the move that I got saved in was almost all young people. 
And, well, you've seen the movie, uh, The Jesus Revolution. That's what I got saved in. It was almost all young people. We were, we were hippies and drug addicts and, you know, this. And we heard the call, go into all the world. And so we, we literally took that, that that's what God wanted us to do. God wanted us, n- not the church, God wanted us to, wherever we go, preach the gospel. And, you know, there's a boldness in young people that, we kind of lost as adults. I, I, you know, I was thinking about when we first got saved. You know, we were sons of thunder. We were a lot of lightning with not a lot of wisdom. And so we would go to the movie and sneak in a portable PA system into the movie theater. And as everybody's sitting there getting ready for the movie to come on, we'd get up in front of the movie and say, excuse us, before you watch this movie, we'd like to tell you that Jesus Christ needs to be your personal Lord and Savior, and then they throw us out and have us put in jail. <laughs> we'd go to a restaurant, and we'd be in a restaurant, and somebody, one of, somebody would take a, a fork on the glass, ding, 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 and everybody look up and say, listen, we're going to pray over our meal. Would it be okay to pray over yours? Because Jesus Christ is the one that pray-. and then they throw us out of the restaurant. But we had, we were sons of thunder. I can remember when... Um, we were pastoring our first church in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and almost our whole church, we, we saw 6,000 teenagers get saved in three years, and they're all off the streets. They're all off the streets. They're off out of the gangs and, and, and drug dealers and everything. We had court, the court systems, judges would call me and say, um, listen, we got these young, this young guy, we got this young gal, rather than put her in, uh, him in, in juvie hall, we heard your system works. Would you come down and see if you'd willing to work with him or her? So I'd go, go to the judge and meet him and he, and they go, what is your system? I said, well, we get them saved. We get them filled with the Holy ghost and we give a mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because if you're not doing something with that energy, that energy can cause trouble. So I remember one day I get a phone call from the police Sunday afternoon, and I'd been preaching against idolatry. You know, we were all Santa Fe, the city of holy faith, Santa Fe de Ciudad, the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, the Blood of Christ Mountains. So I was preaching. You know, almost all of them were were ex-Catholics who were preaching against idolatry. And these guys are all, you know, these guys are all 17, 18, 19 years old off the streets. And I get a phone call from the police. And they said, do you have so-and-so and so-and-so in your church? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, you need to come get them. We've got them at the police station. And what they did is they snuck the PA system out of the church. How many have ever seen the movie with um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito? Uh, twins. You ever see the movie Twins and they're match- in the matching suits walking down the street? If you look, that big ch- Catholic church behind them, is in, that's in Santa Fe. And so uh, about 10 or 12 of my ex-gangbangers took the PA system out of church and stood in, on those steps where you see behind Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. And as the, everybody came out of the church, they're preaching, you need to repent of idolatry and worship false God. Sons of thunder. We can teach you how to run with the ball. We just can't teach you to want to run with the ball. We had 6,000 teenagers saved off the streets in three years. 
I remember my pastor came and visited, and we had, we had uh, uh, I wish Tiz was here. I can't remember the young guy's name. He was, he was a vato loco. You know, he was, he was, from, he was from, the, from the hood, but he, he liked to interpret. And so we had him in a booth, a soundproof booth, and he's interpreting in Spanish. And you can see him back there. I'm preaching. He's, And all of a sudden, he throws up the door. Preach it, bro! Closes the door. <laughs> Sons of thunder. I love it. I love it. I better not tell these other stories. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I've been arrested more times for, for preaching the gospel as a young person than I was for. And that's not what our young people need to do than I was for selling drugs. I went to jail one time dressed as Santa Claus. Whole nother story. Sons of thunder. But the thunder's got to be there, and that's what God puts in the young people. Paul says these words to Timothy in Timothy 4.12. He said, "Let let no man despise thee for thy youth, but be an example to the believers in the world, in your conduct, in your love, in your spirit, in your faith, and in your purity. Be an example. He's saying that to our young people. He said, be an example to the world of your faith. Don't let the world talk you out of it. I remember when I first got saved, you know, I... uh, I was from the streets. I was a drug addict. I was a dope dealer. I was all these things. And I came back to St. Louis. And my friends, you know, I was, yeah, I had a nickname before I got saved. I won't tell you what it is, but I had a nickname. And so some of my friends heard I was in town. They said, hey, man, we're having a party. Come on over. But, but don't preach. So I went to the party. And in the middle of the party, I said, Hey, everybody, listen. Hey, Larry, how you doing? Good to have you back. Hey, listen, I met G. Ruin the party. But five of my friends prayed with me right there in that party and received Jesus Christ as my, their Lord and Savior. How can they believe unless they hear? When I got saved, when I got saved, I, I had hair down the here and earrings in my ears, and I'm sitting on my, on my front porch. I had seven federal warrants out for my arrest for selling drugs to a narcotics agent, smuggling drugs from Columbia into the United States. I had seven federal warrants. I always think that's not a coincidence. Jesus shed his blood seven different times. When I, when, when I got married, my mom put that I was living in Montana because she was afraid of people coming after me, of the law coming after me. I'm sitting on my porch, long hair, smoking a joint, and I see this young Hispanic guy, 19 years old, 18, how old is Bill? 18, 18, 19 years old, walking across the street, walking across the street, back and forth. And I'm thinking, he's trying to get courage to come and buy drugs from me. And I'm sitting there looking at him, and finally he gets at the end of the block, and he goes, And he comes back and walks up, and I'm thinking he's going to ask to buy drugs. And he said, you know, I've never done this before, but I couldn't leave until I told you Jesus is who you're looking for. That's that fire. You know, I've never been witnessed to since then. Nobody has ever witnessed. I, I'm in airports all the time. I travel all the time. 
Nobody's ever witnessed me since then. What if that young man, and you know what? He was five days old in the Lord. He'd been a drug addict the weekend before. And somebody down on the street pulled him in the back of a van and they prayed for him. And here he is five days later, that youthful courage, that youthful fire, that na'ar, walked up to me. Not somebody that looked like they belonged in church. Walked up to me and said, I've never done this before, but Jesus is who you're looking for. That's that fire of the youth. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about a special anointing on the youth. It's, it's going to blow your mind. But let me close with this. In Psalms 105.15, the Lord says, touch not my anointed. Now, remember, we're talking about the beginning of this message. God said, it's better for you to take a 3,300 pound. And let me give a warning to everyone who's involved with teaching young people. Whether it's our president or our vice president, listen to me. God will not be mocked. When he says something like that, you need to realize you can take this to the bank. He said, it's better for you to take a 3,300-pound stone, tie it around your neck, and jump into the sea. You won't survive. But that's better than if you cause one of my children to sin. Right? You cause my children to sin. In Psalms 105.15, God says, touch not my anointed. You know, that's a, favorite, that's, a favorite, that's a favorite scripture for pastors. Don't touch God's anointed. And that's true, especially on their birthday, which is November 15th. <laughs> but the way that reads in Hebrew is, Tignok shel bet rabban. And it literally means don't touch the school children. Don't touch the school children. You better not touch them. And I want to bring a warning out to America. You better back off from our school children. You better back off. You better back off from our youth. Because God says this is what's made up in the kingdom of God. And, and, and it, it, you, you, it's, better, it's better that you get fired than you hurt a child. It's better you lose your job than you hurt a child. It's better that your neighbors don't like you than you hurt a child. It's better that you don't get elected than you hurt a child. Because if you hurt a child, God says, picture a 3,300-pound stone around your neck and you jump in the sea. That is much better than the judgment I'm going to bring on you. Don't you touch my youth. Don't you touch my anointed. The other side of that is, let's sanctify the youth. Let's send them as God sends into all the world to preach the gospel. And wherever our youth go, when they're sanctified by God, and they're saying, you know what? I don't care what Hollywood says. I know what God says. I don't care what the schools say. I know what God says. I don't care what the movies say. I know what God says. 
I don't care what those people say. I know what God says. I don't care what anybody says. I know what God says. You know, when I first got saved, I, I, I tried to witness. You know, I was a young person, never been in church. I tried to witness to people. And they'd say, well, what about this and what about that? And I remember going to my pastor. And I said, Pastor, I, I, I don't know, I, you know, I have no church background, no Bible background. All I knew that I was to share what Jesus has done for me, he can do for you. That's all I knew. And I said, I don't have the answers to what they're asking me. And he said, Larry, a person with a philosophy has no chance against a person with an experience. They're telling you what they think. You just tell them who you met. And I met Jesus Christ, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can I have an amen? Now, I want to ask you to stand with me all over the building. And I want to ask if any of you here are school age, whether it's college or whether it's high school or middle school or elementary school or whatever, anyone school age, I want to ask you to come down with... uh, our pastors and stand across here. Any, any, do we have any teachers here? Do we have any teachers? If we have teachers, would you come and stand over here by where John is? And if we have our, over here by John, if we're a teacher, and if we have our Kid City, are, are they bringing Kid City in? Listen to the word of God. They said, Lord, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and he said bring me a child bring me the youth and just have them face me have look at just have them face me guys have them face me do we have any teachers right here teachers thank you thank you for being teachers thank you for being teachers are we teachers over here teachers 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 man thank god down this way. Come on down this way. Any any of you students in college? In college? Man, thank God. Anybody have children in college that aren't here? They're away in college. We're going to pray for we're going to pray for them also. And what I want to pray is first off, I want to pray an anointing for the teachers. Can I have uh, pastors, my pastors, my staff come over here? Anna and Katie and Derek and and Katrina and John and Sean, come over here and lay hands on these teachers. Do we have any teachers over here? Come on over this way, guys, if you're a teacher. God bless you. Give our teachers a great big hand. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Come on, right right in here. Right in here. other teachers you teachers are a special gift from God and you're probably not probably you're in the hardest position that men and women have ever been in teaching young people the hardest position and so we're going to pray divine favor on all of you that God will put his hand he will lift you up to be the head and not the tail, 
give you favor in, in, in your schools, in your organization, in the teachers union, whatever it is. Would you lift your hands towards these teachers? This is, a, this is vital. And anyone who's watching around the world, you're a teacher. Receive this anointing. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I bind every force of darkness that comes against these teachers. Would you young people lift your hands towards the teachers here? Father, I bind every force of darkness that comes against these teachers, these guidance counselors of our destiny. And Father, I come against every force of darkness that would try to hinder them in teaching what they know to be the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the morality of God, the dignity of God. Father, I claim that you remove out of our school system those who are ungodly, those who come against the kingdom of God, from school commissioners to principals to teachers to guidance counselors, remove them. Father, you said whatever we bind will be bound in heaven. And Father, loosen your favor in Jesus' name. Now, look at me, teachers. Look at me, everybody. Pray this way over your schools, the school in your district. If I have a neighbor, and this neighbor is not a good neighbor, and when we first moved into our house, we, we had that situation. And I won't tell you the, the circumstances, but we prayed. I, did, I showed act of kindness. I loved on them. These two ladies, I did everything. But if you can't get them to change, ask God to get them to move. Right? So we want all the school commissioners to know. We want all the principals to know, the guidance counselors to know, the teachers to know. We're not against you, but we are for our children and the kingdom of God. And we're going to pray that you receive what the Word of God says. And if you won't, we're going to pray that God will put somebody in your place. School commissioner, principals, teachers, guidance counselors. Amen. All of you young people, especially in college, but unfortunately they're coming against our kids even to the point of kindergarten. Always listen to what your parents tell you the Word of God says. Always listen to that. There's a fire that God puts in you, and that fire is there, and the enemy wants you to, he wants to, he wants to drown our males and drown our girls in, in their culture. We're not going to let the devil drown you. We're not going to let the Pharaoh drown you in their culture. You are to be the light of the world. Just think of what if Bill Trujillo hadn't come up to me and said, I've never done this before, but Jesus is who you're looking for. You know what? You are the answer to our nation right here. You are the answer to our nation right here. And so they're going to come in and say this, and they're going to come in and say that, but you stand firm on the rock. You stand firm on the Word of God. And listen, there's never been a time in our history of our country that God wants to lift up young men and young women and elevate them 
in leadership of business and school and sports or whatever it is, those who stand for the word of God, God wants to lift you up. So I'm going to pray for divine protection over you. I'm going to pray for divine courage over you. And remember this, wherever you go, out in the world, in the schools, in the streets, wherever you go, Jesus is walking right next to you, and he will lift you up. Would you lift your hands towards me, young people? Lift, cover them, cover them right now. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I bind that satanic spirit that is coming against America. I bind the devil that is attacking our youth, our children, our sons and our daughters in every area. I bind it from this nation in the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask you to remove every politician, every leader, remove every person that is trying to take our nation and our young people away from God. Have them repent or remove them. Repent or remove them. Let them realize the judgment of God that touches our young people. Let them feel the weight of that and repent or be removed in the name of Jesus. And Father, I release a courage, a boldness, a strength on all of our young people in Jesus' name. I release an anointing on them that wherever they go, they feel the strength and the presence of God. Father, I bind them from being around the wrong people and I call in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, as your word says, the angels that are their angels to bring them into relationship with the right people, godly young men and godly young women. And Father, we seal this and we claim our young people as the destiny. Use their energy use their energy to change the world in Jesus' name. And all God people said, amen. Now, I, I, I just want to share this real quick. Gabe, how old are you? 17. How, young man, how old are you? 16? How old are you? 17? 17. You're the age of the apostles. You know, I got, I got saved late. I got saved, what was I, 24 when I got saved? I got saved at 24. But I remember coming in, long hair and earrings, and this man called me out and said, you're gonna change the world. You're gonna preach the gospel. And I'm thinking, I'm not even coming back to church tomorrow. But God has a destiny. How are you, sweetheart? 18. How old are you? One of my favorite people in all the world right there. God has a destiny for you guys. How old are you? How old are you? 14? Wow. Man, you're playing ball yeah <laughs> don't forget when you go pro a tenth is the Lord's and offering besides God's called you to change the world God's called you to change the world I don't know when the Lord's coming back between between now and then how old are you young man 17 man you guys are an army you guys are an army How old are you? Eight? Just think, in 10 years, he'll be 18. In 10 years, he'll be 18. 
Next week, I'm going to talk to you about an anointing that's on young people that is not on adults. I'm going to talk to you about a sensitivity to God's voice that's, a nobody on, that's not on adults. Okay? But there's also a commission. One of those commissions is to take God's word, protect it, don't let anybody steal it, and pass it on to the next generation. Just as, I, just as my pastor passed it on to me and I pass it on to the next generation, we're passing that on to you. You guys be the example to these guys. Lead them, guide them, teach them. And when we do that, there's nothing the devil can do. When they looked at Peter and John, they were normal people just like us. I'm probably going to share too much. When I first came in and got saved, I had done so many drugs for so long. I have, I have eight hours in my second university degree, but I had done drugs for so long, drugs for so long, that they put me in the 15 and under Sunday school class because I couldn't read anymore. I couldn't talk. And yet God said, what Satan meant for evil, I'm going to turn that around and use it for good. Just think, and you guys have a right to a double portion of anything God has given us as a, as a staff here. Father, use them. God, stir them. Where's, where is uh, Bruno? Is he here? Huh? Not here? He's with his probation officer? Yeah, okay, I knew it. Our, our new youth pastor is with his probation officer. Father, use these young people. Stir that fire up in them. Sanctify that fire. Father, take the sons and the daughters of thunder and use them to change the world. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Your best is yet to come. Turn around, give each other a high five, love each other. God bless you. Thank you.